Hey everyone, welcome to episode 80, Technology for Toddlers and Teens. Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to lesson. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. How about that for a clever title? I didn't know what to title this because when we're talking about technology, it is such a hot button topic that there's so many different answers for so many different kids and so many different ages. So everybody always asks me, how much time is the right amount of time for my kids to be on technology? Because sometimes they feel guilty. They think it's too much. They think it's maybe not enough. They think that other moms are doing it better or doing it too much or they have more apps or they have less apps. So the compare and despair will drive you insane. And so I want to reassure you that the amount of time that you choose to have your children on technology has been demystified. I wanted to demystify it for you because I've asked all the experts I've asked all of you, I've asked all the pediatricians, I've asked Baby Center, I've asked all the discussion boards, and I have an answer. Are you ready for this? This is the ideal amount of time that your child should be spending on electronics, I'll just say screens, depending on their age. So think about how old they are, and then I'm going to give you a chart. And then the chart is going to tell you the ideal amount of time that they should spend on screens per day. Okay. So I'm going to go slow, so then if you have different kids of different ages, then you can kind of plot their age into the chart and then see where you fall as far as what is the right way to have them on their screens. Okay, so if you have multiple kids, you might want to write this down. If you're working with toddlers or you're working with teens, in this chart, it always defaults back to what you think is best. Ha <laughs> I got you, didn't I? Because you know your child best. You know what works for your family. You know the age of your child. You know the stage of your child. You know the temperament of your child. You know what works best for your family. And you get to choose your own Goldilocks amount of time. Not too much, not too little, the just right amount of time. And so you might look over the fence at your neighbors and they might be doing something different. You know why that's different? Because it's their Goldilocks time. So I hope this podcast really empowers you to look within for your answers versus looking externally because you will drive yourself a cray cray. If you ask all the pediatricians, if you ask all the friends, if you ask on Facebook, if you ask your in-laws, if you ask your parents, if you ask your brother and sister, if you ask your aunts and uncles and greedy greedy grandpappies, you will have 17,000 different answers and then you'll be so perplexed of what the correct answer is that you might freeze and just say, okay, 10 hours a day, that works for me, it works for you. Choose the number and then like your reason. That's the most important thing. The most important thing about screen time with kids is that you're conscious of it and that they're conscious of it. And so it's kind of like me cleaning out my closet. It's kind of like, oh, might need to give a little more attention to this. Oh, that we kind of during quarantine got a little out of hand. Now we're gonna reel it on back 
and that's okay. And then you might be going back in quarantine and then you might reel it back out and that's okay. I just want you to like your answer and then you don't have to explain yourself to anybody. And a mantra that helps me that I learned from Brooke is it's okay for people to be wrong about you. It's okay for people to judge you. It's okay for people to have opinions and it's okay for people to be wrong about you. Isn't that freeing? Because you don't have to explain your side of the story all the time. Just like you're looking over the fence trying to find the right answer, so are they. So you're very much like the person that you fear is judging you. And most of the time, when you have a fear that someone is judging you or thinking something about you that isn't favorable, 99 times out of 100, it's usually a projection of something you're thinking about yourself and then giving someone else the responsibility for saying that or thinking that or judging it in their head. I think sometimes we think that we have clairvoyant vision and we can read the bubbles on top of people's heads when we really can't. Because the bubbles on top of other people's heads, you know what they're thinking about? They're thinking, what are the other people thinking about me? So the bubble above our heads is, what are they thinking about me? And then you look at your neighbors. And when I say neighbors, I don't mean your actual neighbors. I mean the person that you're thinking about that is judging you, your peers. They're thinking the same exact thought bubble. So it's kind of reassuring to know that everybody's thinking about what everybody else is thinking about themselves and no one's actually thinking about other people. Is that crazy? It's so crazy. So when you clean up the way that you talk and think about yourself, then all of a sudden you'll clean up the way that other people are thinking about you too. It won't be so loud in your brain because when you think you're awesome, then you'll think that your greedy greedy grandpappy's thinking the same thing. Remember, we're all flawed. We're all awesome. We're all flossom. So... When we're talking about technology, again, I want you to like your reason. You have to do what's right for you and what's right for your family and what's right for your situation, the ages and stages. What you do for a toddler is much different than a teen. Because teens, I find they spend a lot of their time, like I used to spend hours upon hours on the phone talking to people. Now they spend hours upon hours FaceTiming with each other. Sometimes they're playing um, like Among Us together. And I'm like, who are you talking to? And She's like, oh, I'm talking to Shelly. She's like, but Shelly's 14 neighborhoods away or another state away. Oh yeah, but we're playing the same game. Do you know I would give my left leg and my right ear to be able to play Super Mario Brothers when I was a kid with my friends down the street in another neighborhood or in another state. Are you kidding me? That is amazing. And toddlers, their brains are still very little and very impressionable. So you have to be more conscientious about what they're seeing because they don't really have a filter. They think, remember when Momo was a thing? Momo was super scary. Teenagers would laugh at Momo, but toddlers, they had like nightmares and would cry. Like, so we have to be very cognizant and conscious of what they're seeing, why they're seeing it, and for how long. So one way that you can use technology for your advantage is using it almost like allowance. Like on Saturdays and Sundays, we have something called quiet time. We're not big during of screens during the week just because I have misophonia, so the TV on drives me absolutely bonkers. If the kids had headphones and could watch TV, I'd be so fine with that, but I cannot have TVs on in the house, especially loud TVs. My dad comes over and he's like, do deaf people live in this house because I can't hear anything that this TV is saying? Because we have captioning all the time, so the volume's like three or four. It's almost like background music. Quiet shows like HGTV or Dave will have the game on, but he'll have it really low. So again... That works for our family, but other families might like the loud and boisterous and the game going and people chest bumping. That's fun for them. So I asked all of you, what are some struggles that you have? And here are some things that you said. 
some downtime for me without giving too much screen time. It's usually finding the balance between giving them downtime, but not too much downtime. Another one was my two older kids have bonded over Roblox. They play together and trade items with no fussing. It's magical. And my oldest son is brilliant builder in Minecraft. He has learned how to code and really excels in this area. I have a hard time setting limits when I see him creating full-blown architectural replicas. Another mom says, keeping my son online doing schoolwork. Another mom says, my son has to earn screen time by doing daily reading. Another mom says, the fussing and fighting when the allotted time is up. And a lot of you were like, yes, 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 same here, same here. And my question was, what do you struggle with most with managing your kids and their screen time? And Leora said, uh, managing the kids and their screen time. That pretty much sums it up. Another mom says, when it's time for them to get off and they seem not to be able to do anything without me and I can't get anything else done. I just want to get things done so I cave and give them more than I want to. One hour a day. If I need to struggle, screen time will be suspended for one week. So no struggle. Smiley face. Go, Sophia. Go, Sophia. Go, Sophia. I'm doing the, um, the butter churn. I don't really limit screen time, but all chores and homework have to be done before screen time. So by default, still leaving a limited window of time for screen time. She'll be nine this month and is expected to be responsible for knowing this and managing her time accordingly. Sometimes she does great, but some days the tablet and TV wins. That's our biggest struggle. It's tough for kids right now being home all day while mom and dad work all day, adapting to this online life and having to be independent and responsible for so much with fewer activities and options to keep them enriched and busy. So I'm easy on her, but still hold her accountable. Still doing my best to apply all of you. Oh, I wasn't re- planning on reading this part. I swear I'm not trying to toot my own horn. She goes on to say, <laughs> I'm so giggly. I'm still doing my best to apply all of your infinite wisdom from mommy boot camp all those years ago. Okay. I did not know that was part of the whole paragraph because I had to hit see more. And when I hit see more, I feel like I'm talking about see more, the, the seal. When I had to hit see more, that's when that part came up. So I'm literally blushing right now because I just complimented myself on my own podcast, which is our podcast. So you kind of get the drip. There was many, many comments and I got many, many private messages about that. I would say a lot of it was the response we get once time is up, the arguing. We allow Tuesday, Thursdays as electronic days and he always wants to trade and push for more and more minutes. Finding things to do all day long. I have a one and four-year-old, which are harder to manage than a 12-year-old. We are outside a lot, but I would love to get screen time down to two hours max throughout the day. Okay, here's how we're going to do it. This is how we do it. You're going to find your Goldilocks time. I suggest putting the Goldilocks time later in the day because I found that when I allowed my kids to just wake up, like let's say on a Saturday and Sunday, if they woke up and got their tablets, that as long as they didn't wake us up, we were fine. Well, what was happening is little G-Man was getting up at 5.30, 6 o'clock. He's like, oh, I just woke up. And so that boy was getting up at 6 a.m. I'm like, what are you doing, bro? He's like, oh, I just woke up naturally as he's on the tablet. And I was like, hmm, what's going on here? So once I said, okay, we can't do the tablets or morning cartoons until, let's say, 8 or 9 o'clock. Once that happened, all of a sudden they're sleeping in until 8 or 9 o'clock. Because when they're in between REM sleeps, they roll over. And if there's nothing enticing to get them out of bed, usually, not always, depending on the age, depending on the stage, depending on the child, disclaimer, 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 they will go back to sleep because they know that tablets are off the table. So on Saturdays and Sundays, when we do have electronic time, and I'll talk about during the week too, but during the week is also tricky because they have sports, they have after-school activities, they have things going on that there's not as much flexibility with time. So again... Depends on the age, depends on the stage. So on Saturday and Sunday, we have something called quiet time that literally is amazing. 
and I could have my kids, I could ask them to paint the house before quiet time and they would do that. Quiet time is just a time for us all to decompress. It kind of revolves around when they were having nap time. They're 10 and 12 now. So when they were like two and three and having naps, we would be out and about from like 10 to two doing stuff, being active. And then we come home and we would all decompress and have quiet time. And so that's when I would get stuff done. Sometimes I would nap depending on the age, depending on the stage, depending on what was going on in my life, David's life. That was kind of a time just to like, whoo, take a breath. And I think it's important that we don't run our kids ragged from thing to thing to thing to thing. Because remember the whole, I can't think of the name, not lightning bugs. Oh, you remember the whole hummingbird story with Lily when she was little? And she was pretty much saying, mom, you got to chill out, girl. We are too overscheduled. This is too much for me. And this frenetic energy that you have going on is too much for me also. So you need to chill. And also our schedule needs to chill. And that was really an eye-opening experience for me because she wasn't napping at the time but we had no downtime. So just as it's important for you to have downtime and you to have rest time, and I don't mean lay down and rest, but just a time to catch your breath from life. You don't always have to go, go, go and be addicted to busy. And I only know about addicted to busy because I used to be. And then my daughter was saying, this is too much. You need to chill out and our schedule needs to chill out. And once I was able to do that, it was very hard for me because I like the go, 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 not the go-go's, but I like to go, go, go. And she did not. That was what was causing a lot of her behavior issues is that she didn't have a time to like decompress, take a breath. She was more introverted at the time. So she needed that time just to kind of like play with the dollies and just have downtime. So it kind of came from that where from the hummingbird experience that we kind of most of the time, not always, depending on our schedule, depending on our day, depending on the age, depending on the stage, disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. On Saturday and Sunday, you have something called quiet time, which is later on the day, kind of like when nap time would be. So an average Saturday would be, Grady might have baseball at 10. Then we're out of baseball. Then we'll go grab something to eat at Jimmy John's or Subway or Chick-fil-A and then run an errand and then come home. And this is when they get their tasks for the day done. I don't even really like to call them chores. They could be responsibilities, your tasks. Chores sometimes just has a connotation of like not very fun. So get your stuff done. I'll get my stuff done and then we'll all have quiet time. And so quiet time is usually about an hour and 20. The 20 minutes is playtime. I don't mean playtime like playtime, playtime. I mean, it's time that I can play with during the week. Now that they're older, I can kind of say like, you know, if they start to get a little unruly or they're arguing, that's a big thing that they will lose five minutes of quiet time. Now, they always get that hour, that's a staple, but that 20 minutes is a bonus for me. I get to play with that. I could add on five minutes, and I usually don't go past 30. Sometimes I'll add a minute, and that means so much to them, you wouldn't even understand. Because when I was teaching first grade, if the class got a little loud and cray-cray, then I'd say, oh, boys and girls, we need to turn down the volume or we're going to have to lose a minute of recess. And that, you would have thought, I was taking away all of recess. I don't ever like to be an all or nothing where you lose your phone or you're grounded for the weekend or you can't do anything because I think that's more of a punishment for us as parents. Like when I used to have kids lose their recess and it wasn't for me, but maybe from another teacher took it away from them, like specials or related arts. I was like, what? Them losing recess means I need to cut my lunch short and then go pick the child up early and then he's gonna miss his recess, which he needs the most. He needs to run that out. So I don't ever like to be all or nothing where you lose all the things because I think that's a punishment to the parents too. Like losing all of electronics, like what fun is that? And then let's say they lose their electronics on Monday for Saturday, then they have, then all bets are off. So you have no point of leverage, so to speak. Does that make sense? 
It's almost like your boss saying, well, you didn't turn in that report, so you can't get your paycheck for the next two weeks. So you're going to be like, what? What am I here for for the next two weeks? What's going on? This does not make sense. This is not fair. So it gives you a little bit more wiggle room to do it in increments of five or ten. So on Saturday, let's say it's two o'clock. It's almost time for quiet time. One of the kids is walking the dog. Then the other child is usually doing laundry and dishes. They have their vitamins. That's another thing because for some reason having vitamins, especially for Lily, is like you would think that I was asking her to take an injection of vitamin C and vitamin B. It is such an overreaction and she will admit it too. She'll be like, you're not wrong. So that's one of the things. And make sure your room's cleaned up, make your laundry's put away. Just like daily little things that we don't really have to nag them about. They know that that needs to be done. It's almost like you get your work done at school, you get to go out and play. It's the same thing. You get your stuff done around the house. I get my stuff done around the house. Then you get the reward of that rest time, of that decompression, of Among Us, of Minecraft, whatever it is. And they, during the week, can add on or take away from that 20 minutes. And you can do it in one minute, three minute increments. And you would not believe the amount of running around this house that goes on when I say, sure, you can start whenever you want. As soon as your stuff's done, you can start whenever you want. They are running around. Now, Lily's not as much because she has a phone now, so it's not as like novel to her. But they are running around, especially Grady, like chicken with their head cut off because they are so excited, so jacked up. They don't care what I ask them to do at that time or what David asked them to. They will do whatever it takes to get that hour, hour and 20. And so sometimes there'll be a bonus of five, bonus of 10. And it's based on them getting along, their attitude, the talking back. If I have to repeat myself over and over, I'm like, oh man, I really don't want to have to ask you again because if I do, that'll probably be three to five minutes. I don't know. I'll have to think about it. It's always done in a very fun, jovial way, not a very dictatorship way. And then he's like, okay, all right, I'm just leaving now. And so what we've been doing during the week since he's had Nintendo Switch that's been working out so well is from 7.30 to 7.45, he gets to go on Nintendo Switch. Sometimes we play with him, depending, we don't know how to play Minecraft. So if he plays Mario Kart or Tetris, then we play with him, which is so much fun. I want to encourage you that whatever your kids are into, I want you to be into too, even if it doesn't really knock your socks off. I always said that if I became excited about underwater basket weaving, my parents would get all the books, watch all the YouTubes if there were YouTubes back then. They would be making the baskets with me. They'd be cheering me on as I was making the baskets. And it was really cool to grow up in a way that whatever I was into, they were into too, not because they were into it, but they were into it because they knew how much joy it brought me. It's kind of like when I used to watch Bravo Housewives. I haven't watched it lately, but I used to really be into it. My dad used to watch it just so he would be able to like chat with me about the housewives. Like, do you see what Teresa was doing? Oh my goodness. I don't know if her Joe are going to make it. He would never watch Housewives. But the reason why he watched Housewives because he knew two out of his three daughters, sometimes all three of his daughters were into it. So because it was something cool that we were into, he's like, okay, I'll check it out too. And then I can make fun of it too with you. So it was almost like a way of bonding with us. So think about what your kids are into and see it as a way to bond with them because if quality time is their love language, playing Mario Kart with a kid whose love language is quality time, you are gonna make so many deposits and then you're also getting that ROI on love you're getting in a return because you know you're making a deposit. You know how much it means to them. And then when you go to ask them to do the thing, okay, go brush your teeth, they'll be like, of course I'll go brush my teeth because you just played Mario with me for 15 minutes. So from 7.30 to 7.45, 
he earns to play Mario. And then if there's any, like, let's say, back talk or arguing or if he ever did a raspberry, which he's 10 now, so raspberries are long gone, but I'm trying to use different examples, then it might be, oh, that's a bummer you made that choice because for every action, there is a reaction, positive or negative, and then you're giving them the reins to their life where they can make the choices based on what works for them. Now, when it's time to hang them up, I know this is the big point of contention. So what's worked here and what's worked in many homes is they set the timer. You don't monitor anything. You just kind of have your eyeball on it. And since we have two, they kind of keep each other honest. But they set the timer on their own. And then when the timer goes off, it is their job to go and plug it back in. If they do that well, then the next day, Sunday, looks exactly the same way. If they don't, if they quote unquote forget, I have air quotes going on right now, or if there's any type of tug of war or a nagging or a reminding, or I even have to go into the room and say, is quiet time over? Or if the other person is saying, it's time to get off. If there's any arguing, any type of agita, I'll just put it that way. And you can put in this bucket however you want. If there's any type of pushback, let's just put it that way. If there's any type of pushback, then let's say they had an hour and they went an hour and 15 because they quote unquote forgot. Well, that's okay because you plugged it in and then it's said just like this. Oh, that's such a bummer. Tomorrow you're only going to have 45 minutes because that 15 minutes, you have to make up that 15 minutes. So you'll just make it up tomorrow. That's such a bummer because I know how much you love having that full hour and how much that means to you. And oh man, that means I'm going to have less of a nap because I pretend that I nap during that time. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Again, it's just downtime, decompression, get the house in order versus I can't believe that you went over 15 minutes. I don't trust you anymore. I can't believe it. And now tomorrow, your consequence is like that shaming and that condescending, like me against them tone. That's not going to really work. I mean, it will work, but it's not going to really inspire that inner voice because the goal is to get their inner voice going where they're plugging it in, whether mom's home, mom's asleep, dad's home, dad's asleep, no matter what, they're plugging it in because they know it's the right thing to do because they know about karma. They know how it makes them feel to make the right decisions. If they sneak it or if they go over, then they have to deal with the guilt. They have to deal with the karma and then they have to pay the piper of the following day. So do you see how that's a much different way of approaching it? Like, oh, that's such a bummer. Just kind of like if your friend got in a fender bender, you'd be like, oh my gosh, that's such a bummer. You wouldn't lecture her and say, I can't believe you weren't looking at the road. That's going to break connection. So it's almost like I'm on your side and I don't want you to have this consequence for myself. And I know you don't want it either. That's such a bummer. I've made that choice before too. And I want you to also have empathy and compassion for your kids when it is time to hang the thing up. It is so hard to do. I'm 46 and sometimes I'm just scrolling and scrolling. I'm like, I can't stop. I can't stop. I should stop. Why well, should go do the dishes? I should. And I have this like ping pong on my shoulders. So we know how it feels. Imagine that times 7 million because they're so much younger and they don't have that self-control. They don't have the inner voice yet. We're still building it within them. So because they don't have it, even though it's hard for us, it's 10,000 million times harder for them because they don't have all the skills that we do. And I'm 46 and I still I feel like I don't have the skills. Would I rather scroll on Facebook and numb out and post funny memes or would I rather empty the dishwasher? Um, it's a no-brainer memes all day, right? So we can see how it's hard for our kids to hang it up without any pushback. And so when they do hang it up, without the pushback, then you say things like, OMG, look how responsible you are. And I just love how trustworthy you are, that you trust yourself, that when you say you're going to do something, you go and do it. Like that is insane in the membrane. When I was 10 and 12, I was sneaking that. I was so shady lady. Oh my. And they're just looking at me like I'm crazy. But 
the reinforcement is more important than the, oh, you lost 15 minutes for tomorrow. That will go night and day. Like the other day, I usually get smoothies for Lily and I on Thursdays, and she likes me to be home by 1030. And because she gets hungry around that time, and I drop off Grady, then I go work out, and then I go to the smoothie place, and I have to wait for the smoothie. And so sometimes it's like 1045, and she's like, Mom, if you could just get it here between 1015 and 1030, because that's when my break is, I can come out, then it doesn't have to go in the freezer, and then it's too hard, and then I can't use my straw, I have to use a spoon. It's like a whole thing, Mom. I know. It just would be amazing. And so I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. You know, most of the, I wasn't very good about it. I wasn't very, like, serious about it. I was like, yeah, that sounds great. So the other day I got home at like 1025 and she's like, oh my gosh, thank you, mom. Oh my gosh, you made it before 1030. I'm like, go me, go me. And then later that night as she's going to bed, she's like, oh, I have to give you a compliment because I know your love language is words of affirmation. I'm like, I was like a panting dog. I'm like, what is it? What is it? She goes, thank you for getting me the smoothies before 1030 because it was such perfect timing because I was on a break. It was the perfect consistency. I didn't have to put it in the freezer. So it got super hard. And you would have thought she gave me a sash and a crown and a bucket of flowers. And I was walking down the stage of Miss America because I was so pumped up because that's my love language, words of affirmation. I was like, what? Thank you, Lily. That was so nice of you. And she just toddles on out. Well, today, the next time I go to do it, I was there like at 10.15. Again, panting little dog. <laughs> Lily, look, I'm here before 10.30. She's like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Thank you. And I'm like, I'll do it again. Next time I'll be there at 7.30. So think about how you like to be loved and think about what jacks you up and what gets you excited and gets you motivated. Our kids are the same way. We don't want people on our back. We don't want people nagging us. Think about if you've ever driven on the road. Like today I was on the road and this dude is like all of my grill. He's like riding my hind like crazy. I'm like, bro, get off my back. What is your deal? And he was like honking and stuff. I'm like, what is happening? I was feeling so claustrophobic. I wanted to like honk back at him. And so he pulls up at the red light. I'm like, is this road rage? Like, what's happening? Why is he mad at me? He's like, your gas cap. You didn't close the flap. I'm like, oh, thank you. That's so nice. Oh my gosh, thank you. But the thoughts I was having before when he was on my rear, I was like, bro, give me some space. You don't like to be nagged. You don't like when people are on your tail. You don't like when people are like breathing down your neck. Like, think about a boss. Where's that report? What are you gonna do? Why haven't you done it yet? It's just like, oh my goodness, as soon as he walks out the door, she walks out the door, you call your girlfriend, you're like, this dude needs to chill. This chick needs to chill. She needs to take it down a notch. Our kids are saying the same thing to us. We need to chill. We need to take it down a notch. Riding them like a horse does not work. Nagging, yelling, name calling, repeating ourselves 55 times doesn't work. It backfires. If it worked, because I am a control freak, I'm sorry, a control enthusiast, I would have a whole podcast of how to control other people. So I'm on board. If it's working, the nagging and the yelling and the name calling and the breathing down their neck, then keep doing it. But most of the hundreds of thousands of emails that I get are saying how frustrated you are, that kids aren't listening, you're repeating yourself, you're exhausted, you're nagging. I know because I used to be like that, especially when I was teaching. And Mark Lycan said, I feel like she's always mad at us. That moment in time was so transformative in my teaching that it took me a little hot second to get it as a parent. But once I got it as a parent, the kids just lit up like a Christmas tree, just like I did when Lily's like, thanks for getting there before 1030. That one little sentence turned me into a crazy lady the next week. I was like taking shortcuts. I'm like, which is the fastest way to get home? Let's go make sure it stays on ice so it doesn't get too watery. So think about what works for you. Our kids are just the same way, just a smaller version of it. 
and they're motivated by the same things we are. So use electronics, use screens, find your Goldilocks time and use it to your advantage where you get what you want and your kids get what they want. And then when they do the thing, you flip out just like when you were potty training and you did the potty dance. It's the same thing. And kids need 10,000 hours. Humans in general need 10,000 hours of practice before they master a skill. Do you know how long 10,000 hours is? 10,000 hours is if you do an hour of quiet time a day or an hour of electronics a day, that's 10,000 days. What is going on? That is a lot of time. That's why you feel like a repeating robot. And that's okay because what you're going to repeat is you're going to get on the positive loop and focus on what they're doing versus what they're not doing. So use screens to your advantage. Use quiet time for your advantage where you get what you want, they get what they want, and then they learn about downtime. Then you have some downtime too, and you're finding that sweet spot of Goldilocks time based on their age, based on their stage, based on if you're in lockdown, if you're in quarantine, if you're not in lockdown, you're not in quarantine, if you have baseball, if you don't have baseball, depending on the day. That's why there is no blanket. You are the expert. Just like when my sister was trying to breastfeed her daughter and it was going so horribly, she called my mom in tears going, mom, did I do this? Did I do this? I called the pediatrician. They said this and this this is what I read online. And my girlfriend said this. And she said the most soothing words that carried with her. And now she's, the daughter is now 22, 23 years old. She said, no one knows your baby better than you. And that just gave my sister the reins to understand that you're in this dance with this child and you too get to do this dance and nobody else. And this child is dancing with you and you're dancing with this child and you're teaching your child how to dance with their future dance partners. And that, my friend, is super empowering. So I hope this helped. Give some clarity. Find the Goldilocks time. Find the sweet spot. Make it work for you, not against you. And then you and your child can be dancing the same dance steps and you're teaching them along the way about responsibility, about self-control, and then you're flipping out when they do because it makes them feel so amazing on the inside and that's what you're focusing on. Not so much of, I'm so proud of you, I'm so proud of you, I'm so proud of you. You must be so proud of yourself. You can say you're proud of them all day long, but make sure you sprinkle in a lot of, you must be so proud of yourself too because then that inner voice gets going and then their emotions are in the driver's seats and then they're not doing it for you, they're doing it for themselves. It goes from extrinsic to intrinsically motivated and rewarded. And that's when life becomes super fun. I'll talk to you next week. Hope this helped. Let me know. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Hey, mamas. Thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com. And if you really want to fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt moment while you were listening. I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.